Good morning. I think, is my mic doing that? I'm thankful you're here. How many of you are grateful for warnings? Anybody grateful for warnings? Okay, look, I, uh, this, this week, it snowed. Did you know that? Did you know it snowed? Um, I, when it was, like, one of the days, like, it's crazy today. I woke up at, I walked outside today, and it was, like, 46, and I felt like I need some shorts or something. Um, but it's, it's crazy. This week, uh, in one of the times that it was, like, negative 7, I'd gone out to my garage the night before, and I, I was doing something. I'd opened my garage door, and I shut it. And when I went back in, uh, I didn't stay till my door shut all the way. And the snow had fallen, and it caused my garage door to open back up. You ever have that happen? It's a bummer when it's like negative seven. Um, because I woke up the next morning, and my pipes had frozen. That was a great day. Great day uh, for us. Um, and uh, thankfully, I was, I was able to figure out where it was frozen. I put a heater on it, and... About, about 3 o'clock, we got water again. It would have been great to have a warning light, okay? Um, you know, aren't you thankful for the, that famous saying? You know that famous saying? Uh, see if you know what I'm talking about. Leaves of three, let them be. Anybody know? You know what that, that is? Poison ivy, right? Who was the first guy that learned that lesson? You know, I mean, if you've ever been in the woods on a, on a, and you have no... Um, technology with you <laughs> or or any uh, modernization and you go into the woods it's beneficial to learn leaves of three let those be right <laughs> uh, that's a warning thankful for those guys that did that warning um, you know uh, this morning we're looking at a warning if you have your Bibles Colossians chapter 2 and 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 you know it's interesting as you look at the scriptures God is faithful to give us some warnings in Scripture. And to this morning, we're going to look at one of those warnings, one of those moments. Is, is this my mic, Bruce? Okay, there you go. I'm going to get... Um, there we go. Colossians chapter 2, but it's interesting as you look at this passage, um, God is giving us some warnings. Now, there are some warnings... They're just kind of itchy. They just kind of bug you. But there are some warnings that are critical. And this is one of those critical warnings. This is a warning. This is a, a warning that Paul gives us of, of kind of religion and man-made sin. And, and what we're going to see today is this warning of don't be judged by what you eat and drink. Don't be judged. By, um, don't let any, excuse me, anybody disqualify you with these man-made rules. Don't be enslaved by man-made religion. That's a warning that we're going to see today in Scripture. Don't be careful for these things. And this is one of those moments that God says, wait a minute, I want to warn you for how you serve him, how you walk with him, how you understand the word of God. Now, we've been in Colossians, and, and one of the things I love about what our church does is we, 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 we most of the time, our spiritual diet, uh, how we grow up in our faith is to walk through a book of the Bible. And we're, if you're new today, we're in the middle of Colossians. Colossians is a letter written by Paul. And, and when you think about this letter, it's really important. And, and I love it because right now, uh, Chad is preaching in, in Owasso, and I get to preach here in the same passage of Scripture. And, and we're, we're together as a body looking at this warning. And, but when you understand the book of Colossians, there's a glaring message that we just can't miss 
when it comes to this book. And, and, and Paul is communicating this very, very important truth. And it's this idea that, that Christ is not just prominent among other religions, but Christ is preeminent. Now, now those are words we don't use very often, preeminence. But, but it's, this is very important in our day, because when I look at Colossians, it's incredibly relevant. Because here we are in this world that is pushing us to see Christianity as just one of the options when it comes to a path to God. Now, the Bible is crystal clear. This is not an option for us. This is, this is something we have to reject as in, our, in our thinking, in our culture, in our mentality. Because, because we live just like in Rome, in, in Roman society where Colossae was in Asia Minor. It was really, it was ruled by Rome. And, and, and this was a pluralistic society. Now let me explain what pluralism is. Pluralism is this idea that there are many paths to God. And in Rome, this is... The, the audience of Colossian, the Colossian church, they were having these pressures of, of pluralism. And as I look at our world, oh my goodness, don't you feel that? Don't you see that? Of, of, the, t of the pressure that we're facing to put Christianity uh, in the buffet line, if you will, of all the beliefs about God. But, but here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Christ is not just the best option. Christ is the only option. Because, because, folks, there's only one way to heaven. And every other religion, every other pursuit is man-made. And this is the, what the Bible is clear on. And, and, and think about this. To, to miss Christ is to miss God altogether. And, and you know what I am grateful for is that God has planted us in this place to let this city, this world know Wait, there is a path to heaven. And now, now the reality is it's a narrow path. It's not a wide path. There's one way to heaven. And the Bible was written so that we can know that we have eternal life. And what's amazing about God, just like he sent believers to Colossae to start a church. You know, it's crazy. 74 years ago, God sent people here to start a church because the world needed Jesus. God, God sent people, uh, you know, uh, the historic Calvary is about the same age as the church at Owasso. Well, you know, our churches are, are, are the same age, and it's so cool in the story of our church how, how God has brought us together during these days. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And, and why did God bring us together? Why did God plant this church here? It's because God called believers here to let the world know there's a path to heaven. And that's what we get to do. And Christianity, you know what makes it unique? You know, it reveals this different story. Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, Christianity is just like every other religion. No, it's, it's not at all. Christianity is different. Because what is religion? Religion is man's attempt to get to God. And this is what religion is. And man has been creative all through history to try to earn their way to heaven. But Christianity describes a different story. The story of the Bible is different than man trying to get to God. You know what the story of the Bible is? It's when God came to man. God came to us. And God revealed himself to us. God communicated to us who he is and what he's like. Now, 
in this in the in the church at Colossae, there was a lot of there was a lot of pressures. There were pressures from Eastern philosophy, from Jewish legalism. It was called Gnosticism. And, and these Gnostics were in the church and they were saying, look, if you want to honor God, you got to keep all these rules, these Jewish rules. There were these, uh, um, these man-made philosophies. If you understand the history and trace Western thought and Western philosophy, many of those philosophies came from, from this part of the world. Um, there were, there were these dietary legalism, uh, dietary rules that you had to eat certain things. And, and there was this t- clear temptation to the Colossian church to put Christianity in that buffet line. And Paul was like, no, 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 that's not an option because Christ is preeminent. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's look at verse, chapter 2, verse 18, and let's stand together as we read this. And I want you to notice the, the legalism that you hear. We're going to look at 18, chapter 2, 18 through 23. And Paul writes this, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If, with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. Look what he says. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. may be seated. Now, okay, now let's unpack this for a minute. Okay, because, you know, you see in the Colossian church, there's, there's this Jewish legalism that, that people were like, look, if you're going to honor God, you got to keep these Jewish rules. And it, I'm, in, I'm reading through the Bible right now, and I'm in Leviticus. Have you ever read Leviticus? you gotta, you got to wrestle through Leviticus, man. I mean, I, I was in it today going, man, I mean, when's this chapter over? You know, I feel terrible. I'm a pastor. I just told you that. Um, but, but, uh, but I was like, man, this is like all these rules that the law required. And as I read that, I kept thinking, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you came to give us a new, a, a new law. You came to give us a, a new plan, a new covenant. That's the old covenant. And, and the old covenant was the rules. The new covenant was Christ. And I love that. I'm grateful for that. And, and you know, here's, what's, here's what Paul, this is what Paul's trying to help the church understand. Hey, look, Christ came. And because Christ came, it changed everything. And this is important. Because Christ came to set us free from religion. Now, look at verse 18. It says, let's break this down a little bit. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. 
Now let's think about this. Point number one is this, that religious pride is a common trap for the church. And, and look, religious pride is a dangerous temptation. It's a trap. And, and, and when you think about this, it says let no one disqualify you. That's an athletic term. Okay, uh, you may not know this, but uh, I'm a tennis player. I'm going to reveal that to you. Okay, I, I play tennis. And I, uh, Eric Kuykendall, who played the drums today, we play tennis together a lot. And, uh, and, and, you know, I don't play tennis for fun. I play tennis to compete, uh, by golly. And I, I, I want to win. And, I, and so I, I don't play for fun. I, I play to, to battle. And I love that. And that, that's fun to me. But, but you know, um, the, and there have been a couple times, I, I hate to admit, I've lost my temper on a tennis court, and I've, I've gotten mad because I missed a shot, and I turned and I hit the ball against the fence. Well, I don't know if you know this today, but Novak Djokovic won the Australian Open today. Anybody know that? Okay, so I, I, he killed this guy in the, uh, in the finals, killed him. Well, do you know that Novak Djokovic was disqualified from the U.S. Open? Remember that? He was disqualified because in the U.S. Open just a couple of months ago, he was uh, mad, like Eric's done many times on the tennis court. I'm holding him accountable for that. Um, um, he was mad, and he, he missed a shot, and he got a ball, and he just hit it to the back pretty decently hard, and it hit a line judge in the throat. It was a bummer. <laughs> he didn't mean to. He didn't even look. He just goes, boom, hit it in the back, and, and it's slow motion. You ought to Google it. Not right now, but later. Um, but, but it just goes and just, boom, nails this line judge right in the throat. Well, the line judge, the, the referee, the head referee, disqualified him. Rightly so. He was, he, he was going to win the U.S. Open because he was, he's the best in the world. He smoked the Australian Open, killed the guy, but he was disqualified. This, fur, this word right here, let no one disqualify you. You know, here's what was going on in the church. People were saying, you know what? You're disqualified over these man-made rules. You know, we have a temptation sometimes to get so religious that we will disqualify one another. One another. We'll say, you know what? You're not as good. You need to get out of here. And see, what happened was going on in the church. They were kind of fighting with each other. And here's the, here's the terrible thing about church. When, when, when we start fighting one another, we forget that we're fighting a spiritual enemy. Like we, got a, we got a spiritual battle that we're in. When it comes to the church, we got work to do, folks. And when I look at what God's doing here, oh, my goodness, before the blizzard apocalypse of 2021, the, the Wednesday before, did, did you come here? Oh, my goodness, it, it, was, it was packed out here in Tulsa. And it was amazing at, at that Wednesday night. And, and God's at work in our church. And you know what happens when God starts working? Guess what? Satan's going to come against us. But look, we're battle-tested. We're ready for this. We're, we're not going to be like the guys that, oh, I didn't realize leaves of three, let them be, okay? Uh, we hear the warning of let's not disqualify. He says, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, it says. Um, you know, it's interesting as you think about the Pharisees, he, he's, these Pharisees that were always a, a bummer for Jesus. I mean, you know the Pharisees, right? They were the, the, 
the guys in Scripture who were always fighting Jesus, always trying to mess up the plan of God. They were the religious people. And when you, like, like I hear people go, oh, well, we need to be nice like Jesus. I'm like, have you read what Jesus said? Because when it came to the Pharisees, if you really read it, you're like, that's not very nice. He, he was like picking a fight with those Pharisees often. And, and when you look at how Jesus confronted the Pharisees, he was harsh with the, with the religious. And man, I've tried to listen to that. I've tried to pay attention to that in my own life because I don't want to, in my desire to serve the Lord, slip into religious rules and man-made rules that I overlook my relationship with God. And what's interesting is the Pharisees, like, have you ever read Matthew 23? That's an interesting chapter because in Matthew 23, those are the seven woes of the Pharisees where Jesus is like totally getting up in their grill going, man, you guys are missing it. He called them like whitewashed tombs. It says in verse 1 through 3, it says in Matthew 23, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat so and, observe, and observe what they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. And, you know, when you think about, you look at Matthew 23, he goes on and says, you guys are missing it. Missing it. And that's what Paul's saying here. Here's what's going on. These, the, he's saying we got to not be religious. We got to be humble. We got to be obedient to the Lord. The Pharisees, you know what they had? They were men with big heads, but they didn't have a tender heart. You know what I pray for for our church? Is that we don't just get religious. We have tender hearts towards the Lord and towards one another. And that's what we see because aren't we called to be to humility, right? Aren't we called to that? What is humility? It's, 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 it's when we um, are submitting to one another, we're grateful. We're, we're grateful for what God has done and what God is doing. Haven't you noticed about humility that, that like sometimes like the Pharisees, we like to say, well, look how humble I am. Look, how, look, how, look at my good works. Look how good I am. But I've noticed in my own life that genuine humility is often this unconscious characteristic that I have. We gotta be careful about false humility. God calls us to be humble. So what does humility look like when I think about humility? Um, true worship, when, when we, if we're worshiping God in the right way, our, we have this awe of God. We're, we're aware of the greatness of God. We're, our heart is filled with love for one another. And this is what I pray. Humility is, isn't it marked by, by grace, by patience with one another? And, and this is what the church was struggling with. They weren't being patient with one another. They weren't being gracious to one another. And here's something I want to notice for us. I, I want us to notice, are we being patient with one another? Are we being gracious with one another? That's a way to check our humility quotient or our, our, our humility uh, temperature. You know, everybody's taking temperature, right? Uh, every time I, mean, I went to the doctor the other day, and they're like, I got to take your temperature. And, um, and, and you know, one way to take our temperature with humility, how patient are you being? With the, how, how gracious are you being? I found 
We, you know, we, we want to be a church that knows the Bible, that, that we, we want to have good theology here. But do you know how you can tell if you have good theology, if your theology is right? You know, if we're, if we're studying the Word of God and, and serving the Lord, of, the, the, the Lord well, and we're moved to patience and love and, you know, kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, that, that's right. But anytime we start serving the Lord and we get cocky, we get arrogant, we get, uh, I'm going to look down on somebody, boy, that's, that's where we're not serving the Lord well. So let's, let's make sure that we don't fall into this trap of religion. And, and, and this is the problem. Let's also make sure that we understand that God calls us to a sincere relationship with him. You see, what's going on here is the, the church is struggling to keep rules. And they miss the fact that, no, we want a relationship. We need a relationship with God. And don't you know that you can have a relationship with God that is personal, that's real? It's like my, my daughter. I love my daughter. Um, she's not here. I, I have a rule that if I ever use my daughter as, as an illustration, I have to pay her $5. Uh, but she's not here right now, so I don't have to. No, don't take a picture because then I'll, be in, I'll owe her 5 bucks. You just can't tell her because save me 5 bucks today. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I'm often saying to Maggie, Clean your room. I went, like she had friends over the other day. She didn't clean her room. And she was supposed to clean her room before her friends came over. So all her friends are out having a good time. It's like, hey, oh, good to see all you guys. Maggie, come on, let's go clean your room. And she's like, okay, you know. You know but th- though I, I bug her about her room sometimes, you know what I love the most about Maggie is just my relationship with her. I, don't, I mean, honestly, I don't care if she cleans her room that much. I just want to be with her. See, sometimes we get in this trap with the Lord. We try to keep all these rules, and we forget God just wants to be with us. And this is what the church was missing right here. And you know what they were doing? Look at, notice this. It says in, in verse 18, and they were worshiping angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So they were, they were doing these religious acts. They were praying to angels, but there was no reason for them. They, they were, you know, here's a danger. Do you know that there are people that will push you to pray to other spirits? That's what's going on here. They're praying to angels. Have, have you ever been tempted to, uh, I mean, I'm, I've got, I got two funerals this week that I'm going to be preaching. Actually, three. Three funerals this week. Um, I know I'm preaching two of them. But, but you know what? Sometimes we have been tempted to pray to somebody who's died or pray to um, whether it's a, a Christian that has died, a, a, a saint or something like There's a temptation to pray to angels. And God's going, no, no, that's not what you do. You don't pray to angels. You don't pray to anybody but God. And, and this is the temptation. He, he says, um, these people were, were getting really spiritual, saying, look how spiritual I am, because I'm praying to these other 
spirits and these other angels. And look at verse 19. He says, no, no, don't do that. And you're praying to these other things, not holding fast to the head. You see, is that capitalized in your Bible? Right? Okay, who's that referring to? It's referring to Christ. He's like, don't pray to these other things. Don't count on these other things, but hold fast to the head. Have you ever held fast to something? I mean, fast, like my wife this week, we were walking to the car, went to work out and, and we're walking and, and it was icy. The whole thing was like a sheet of ice and, and that lady was holding fast to my arm. So fast that we almost both bit it right there. I was like, whoa, honey. She was holding fast to me. It was like death grip on the old right arm, you know? She was holding fast. And look what it says. You're not, some of them in the church, they weren't holding fast to the head, holding fast to Christ, right? That, that's what we've got to do. Because he says, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows. Look at this, with a growth that is from God. And see, you know what God wants to do in you? He wants to give you a growth that's from him. And guess where that is found? Nowhere else but Jesus. That's why point number two is so, so important. Our worship never requires Jesus plus. It's always Jesus, period. Okay, don't, don't miss that. Because there's a temptation for all of us to go, you know what, I need something more than Jesus. I need something, I need my works. I need my good deeds. I need my sacrifices. And, and you know, this Wednesday, if you were a part of our, our Ash Wednesday service, what did we do this week? We challenged our church to fast, right? That, that's a discipline. That's something that we're, we're working on. But, but, but you know, it's, it's good to do those things. But let me tell you, we got to be careful that we don't use that as a requirement for faith. Because we don't even need to do that. It's good for us to do that. But, but here's, before I get off this angel thing, I think this is really important. They were praying to angels. And we got to hear the warning of that. Um, these false teachers, as they were making contact with supposed angels, did you realize that you could open yourself up to the demonic by doing that? Folks, let me tell you something. Demons are a reality. Now, we don't have to fear demons. You know why? Because the demons know Jesus. And when Jesus is in you, guess what? No demonic force can touch you without permission from God. They can't possess you. They can't, even, they can't battle you without permission from God. We know this. But here's what we have to be careful of, that we turn to Christ only. Like 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. I want you to flip over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at this verse. I don't think it's on your screen. I didn't put it on there. But, um, but I want you to see this. Satan knows how to give people fake experiences. And in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15 says this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. 
And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And this is an interesting revelation because you see that Satan will often disguise himself. And this is why we've got to avoid, listen to that warning, we don't pray to anybody but Christ. That's very, very important. What do we do? We look to Christ alone. This is what we've got to do. This is the warning that we've got to embrace. Connecting with God apart from Christ, that's idolatry. Pray to God, not to angels. That's what he says in verse 20. Look at verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, it says. And this is what's going on. They were, they were making this requirement that if you want to really be spiritual, you interact with these angels, you keep all these rules. And Paul's going, no, you don't. That's not the requirement. And here's the deal. God has, call, has not called us to keep religious rules. He calls us to this relationship with him. And I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss this relationship that God gives you. And that's why he says in verse 21, look at it. It says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are, as they are used, according to human, human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. So, so he's saying, look, let's stop there for a second. Let's understand that for a second. These religious leaders were saying, hey, I'm telling you, don't touch those things. Don't, don't taste those things. Don't, don't, don't handle those things. And, and, but Paul's going, look, these are just human rules. He says, verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and the severity to the body. But look what he says. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now see that word asceticism? That's the second time it's been used in this passage. That's a word that's hard to understand. Let's think about that for a second. Asceticism is this extreme denial of yourself. And what was going on, this asceticism was they were telling people, you need to take things further than God required. That's what the Pharisees did. They were making these rules that were further than God even required. And, and even as we uh, fast, let's, let's go back to that fasting idea that we're in right now for Lent. There's some fasting that I'm embracing. And you know what? That's good for me. As Christians, we've got to learn to discipline ourselves. That's good to learn to discipline your life. And, and some of us, you know, to be honest, we eat too much, right? Uh, I, can, I, can, I can throw down some Doritos, man. I can bust out a bag of Doritos like nothing. And I got to not do so much Doritos for me. I mean, I don't, Oreos are not my thing. How many of you Oreos are your thing? Okay, what about, who, who's with me on the Doritos? Okay, yeah, okay. That's my people right there. I can, I, I've told my wife, no more Doritos in our house. Um, that's those nacho cheese that get on your finger, man. You can just suck on those for a while. I love those. Um, now I'm sinning. Um, uh, but, but, you know, 
we, we remember 1 Corinthians 6. Remember that verse? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, do you not know that your body's a temple? And, 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 and the Holy Spirit is within you. You, you. you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So, so we're, to, we're to honor the Lord with our body. Paul said to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales, but train yourself to be godly. And he says physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So, so, so you know what? It's good. It's good to say, Lord, we want to be disciplined. But here's the deal. The difference between asceticism and, and walking with the Lord these people were looking at their disciplines and they were trusting in their, their religion to save them. Here's what I want you to know. We don't trust in coming to church to save us. We don't trust in fasting to save us. What do we, who can save us? Jesus, Christ. You know what Paul keeps saying over and over again with this warning? Look, Christ is not just prominent. Christ is preeminent. You know what I want you, my prayer for you? I pray that you don't miss Christ. Because to miss Christ is to miss God. You know, here's what was going on. These people, these people in Colossae, they were missing and, and here's what I pray. You know why God's planted us here? Because there are people that live all around us. There are people all over the city that really have this idea, well, man, maybe I need to go to church because I ought to be more religious. And, and you know what I pray? That they come and find, wait, wait, wait. No, there's freedom from that. Because you can't earn your way to heaven. You know, you're a sinner like me. I'm a sinner that needed a savior. And, and you know, he saved me. He washed my sins away. And he's given me this relationship with him that is, is real. Do you know that this week in my life, there was a moment that I woke up and, and I wish I could say to you that I'm I always trust the Lord. There was a moment this week that I woke up and there was something in my life that caused me to be fearful. I woke up fearful. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't go back to sleep. You know what I did? I went to my living room. I got this really cool blanket called a whoobie. <laughs> got that whoopee and I put it over my head and I got on my knees my couch and I said Lord I'm fearful right now I, I can't I'm battling this internal struggle in my heart and in my mind and I just, I just brought it to him you know what God did he didn't say to me come on Chris what's your problem he didn't say that felt like God just wrapped me up. He said, trust me. Come on, trust me. And I spent about 15 minutes just pouring my heart out to the Lord. You know what God did for me? 
I, I, it's so funny. It's so, I told Robin this. I said, you know what, you know what God did last night? Because I have this, I track my sleep on my watch. Okay, I don't know if you do that. I'm a weirdo like that. But it's interesting. I went to the Lord, went back to bed. And when I looked at my watch the next day, it showed that I had one of the best nights sleep that I've had in weeks. And I just saw that and I just go, that's funny. Lord, you're good. Here's the deal. God is calling us to a relationship with him. It's not about you keeping rules. It's about you coming to him and knowing a heavenly father that loves you, that walks with you, knows you. That just like me, he will help us when we're fearful. He will strengthen us when we're weak. He will help me on a three-funeral week. Folks, I'll be honest with you, that's a tough week. But you know what, God? Strengthens, helps, and guides. He's done that for me. And I promise you, he'll do that for you. Let's listen to the warning of Scripture. Can I ask you a question? Are you trapped in religion? Are you trapped in just this pressure to try to keep rules? Hey, when Jesus went to the cross, he did everything for you. If you'll come to him, he'll help you. Maybe today you need to, Josh and you guys, come on up. Josh is going to lead us to respond. And maybe you need to pray with somebody. I'll turn my mic off, and if you need to pray with me, Misael's here. Ask Misael to come up too. Maybe you need to pray with Misael. Jonathan's here. Jonathan, I want you to come up too. Maybe you need to grab one of us and just pray with us. And let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. We can go to Him. Maybe you need a. Maybe you've realized today, I don't have a relationship could today today you could begin this relationship with God the Holy Spirit could come into your life change you if that's you today come talk to us but I'll tell you what let's not leave today stuck in a religious trap let's leave today living in this vibrant, amazing relationship with God. Lord Jesus, we love you. We look to you right now. Father, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today you would save them. Father, as we respond to you, would you lead us? Lord, help us get that religion out of our Let's not fall into that trap. Lord, we love you. And we trust you in Jesus' name we pray.